Pleased to meet you. Pleased to meet you too. What are you doing? What do you do? What do you know how to do? Sheep. 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 Shit. Shit. Fuck. Fucking government. Fuck. Everybody, welcome to Generation Lost, the show about movies with Bryn and Jeremy. Soundboard's still here. That's right. Also, the soundboard, <laughs> <laughs> the official third mic, <laughs> new third mic. <laughs> Hope you're all enjoying it. Hope you guys are enjoying this uh, from the people who brought you um, <laughs> keyboards. <laughs> Yeah, this is the show about movies that doesn't take itself that seriously. It does not take itself <laughs> too seriously. <laughs> yeah, we're never like... I'm so sad. I'm so fucked up. That would be a show that takes itself too seriously. Yeah, but we're more like... <laughs> exactly. It's a fun show. Loosen your fucking tie. All right. <laughs> Loosen your tie. <laughs> I'm not saying anything after tie. <laughs> <laughs> let your hair down <laughs> let your hair down mm-hmm. that's important it's a big part of the listening experience of generation loss mm-hmm. my hair's down jeremy's hair's down my hair is down couldn't be more down than this <laughs> he's got a hat on got a hat on it's a good hat oh yeah have you seen it it's, i did it's, it's a great hat it's a it's the seinfeld logo but it says Sinn Fein. yeah <laughs> <laughs> very good did you get that recently yes very nice. Yeah. Uh, speaking of things you did recently, what did you watch this week? Thank you for asking. You're welcome. Uh, this week, I watched the uh, Paul Thomas Anderson flick, uh, Boogie Nights. Ooh. I'd never seen it before. What? It's one of those movies that, like, I've talked about this a million times, the movies that you, like, quote unquote, watched. Yeah. But definitely, like, just, like, threw on and, and hooked up with somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and this was very much one of those movies uh, oh yeah i've definitely watched some of those kinds of movies yeah uh demon lover is one of them that i can recall mm. literally only like still images i have of that movie yeah so boogie nights is one that like i it's definitely had movie. seen little pieces of and was like i've seen boogie nights uh i had not seen boogie nights uh yeah let me just say folks at home if you haven't seen it definitely watch it wow what a flick good wow movie. good movie <laughs> uh, i'm sure you don't i'm sure most people don't need me to tell them that i don't know you hadn't seen it maybe. i hadn't seen it i mean uh, i haven't watched it since i was in high school mm. or maybe college but i'd i'd recommend giving it a rewatch then i would love to watch uh, it it's again. a really nice tight movie for being like i think it's two and change i think it's like almost 245 230 two i think um i had read that uh when paul thomas anderson was making it he had said he wants it to be three hours long and NC-17. Yeah. And the people funding it were like, absolutely not to either of those. And he's like, it's got to be one or the other. And they were like, <laughs> okay, well, then we'll give you the three hours. <laughs> it is one fifty-five, which I believe means almost five minutes off of three hours. So it's 2.55, yeah. right? No, 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 no. 25 off of three hours. 25 off of Wait, isn't it one? Oh, it's one eighty. One eighty is is three hours. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, it's a long movie. Uh, very long movie. Very long 245. movie. Two forty five. Uh, it tells the story of uh, Marky Mark. Uh, Mark Wahlberg plays a uh, a young starry eyed boy in California working who, in a restaurant. Working in a restaurant has a gigantic penis. The hugest dick but you've you ever know, seen. You don't know until the end. All you know <laughs> is that he's got a great penis and everybody likes it. People pay him to come and see it. And uh, I think they literally say Julianne Moore goes, that is a very big penis. Oh, yeah. People say people say big penis, but you don't see the penis until the very last shot of the movie, um, which is masterful, by the way. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
so but the whole thing is he's got a great penis people want to watch him jack off and uh this guy who makes porn movies is like hey i heard people like to watch you jack off and he's like they do uh <laughs> that's he's like, correct why don't you come be a porn star with me and then we get right, this l- is burt reynolds this is burt reynolds uh fantastic in this mark Wahlberg, fantastic in this julianne moore fantastic everybody is heather really graham's great. good in it john c Riley is incredible yes he rules william h macy incredible very very good yeah uh wild cast in this don Cheadle, not given enough to do i feel but still pretty good sure um philip seymour hoffman also not given enough to do wish he had more um he has a pretty good couple scenes he's got a good couple scenes but i kind of wish his character factored into the plot a little more sure same with don Cheadle. it kind of felt like the two of them were there in a weird way like as almost like a premonition of who they would become as actors (laughs) because it's so early in all their careers yeah it kind of feels like in a way he was just trying to like shove them in there just to be like, Hey, by the way, I, I found these guys. I first. found these guys. Yeah. <laughs> I think Philip Seymour Hoffman is in hard eight too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie, his first feature that yeah. he did. Um, which makes sense then. Uh, but anyway, uh, so it's, it's a classic rise and fall sort of a story. Uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, his, his porn name is Dirk Diggler he uh he becomes a star he sweeps the industry he like revolutionizes the industry everybody loves him he loves fucking and then uh some bad influences come into his life he gets into drugs and then he falls out with burt reynolds and uh goes into like prostitution and crime and all sorts of different shit and whatever and then uh at the end of it he uh you're really blowing through this three hour long (laughs) at the end he reconciles with burt reynolds and everything's okay Uh, they do vhs porn yeah there's a good like there's a good like halfway point where like all the good times are over and the 70s are over and now it's the 80s and the 80s suck there's that's true uh, and i don't want to like spoil any stuff that happens in case you haven't seen boogie nights but like there's kind of like a pivotal moment at the new year's eve party for 1980 and uh it really kind of like sets the tone for what the second half of the movie is like the first half is non-stop fun it's like yeah. a great time you're you're just like riding this high the whole time you're like this is awesome i love all these people they're so fun and then the second half is just like brutal like endless brutality of just like you're like i can't imagine what's going to happen next but i know it's not going to be good yeah like uh, once alfred merlina gets into this movie uh yeah. thing goes the um, everything goes left there's a uh there's a scene where don Cheadle and his pregnant wife are at a donut shop and it gets uh it gets stuck up and 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 you know a bunch of people die and don Cheadle comes into a bit of money uh but like that whole scene that whole sequence like enough stuff had happened at that point to like have mo and i like so on edge that we were like don't even go into the donut shop don't go into the donut shop i don't want to see what's going to happen to you in there right. and then he goes in and, and all the shit transpires and you're like don't take the money don't take the fucking money dude don't take the money just whatever it's something bad's gonna happen <laughs> it's very tense it's very tense masterfully tense yeah. um it's somewhere between like it's a movie that feels like a mixture of scarface and uh raging bull mm-hmm I mean, it's drawing from so many things. I, it's a weird movie because I haven't seen it in so long. What is? What do you feel like the theme of this movie? Like, what is it trying to say other than just like? I mean, porn I think it's is a dark business. I, I think it's talking about like American culture coming from the seventies into the eighties, and like, I like the way that I guess like, kind of like the the mainstream narrative and the actual reality for people kind of like ran counter to one another during that time where Mm. like there was this story of like, you know, the end of the seventies is all about like inflation and like gas shortages and whatever. And then the eighties is all like, like the stock market is soaring and everybody is becoming a fucking millionaire and we're riding a fucking Eagle into the sunset. It's great. (laughs) America, America rules. And, and, and the reality for people was that like the seventies was this like stable time of like, you know, people were able to, to live a life and, and, and make a living and, and be with their families and stuff and, and create their own reality. And then the eighties was just like, just nonstop, just getting fucking pummeled by capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) It does feel like that. It, It does feel like sort of what we talked about on the, uh, fear and loathing 
Mm-hmm. It was like the uh, Hunter S. Thompson, like Crest of the Wave crashing down kind of movie where yeah. it's like the seventies was like, you can be somebody and you can make something of yourself. I mean, it's about porn. It's in LA. It's obsessed with the texture mm-hmm. and history of that. But I feel like it's using it to tell a story about like somebody who can just like has a talent can make something of themselves. Yeah. And then like, because of the, uh, the culture changing into like, everything has to be making a buck. Like everything has to be more profitable. Everything has to be like more useful. Um, just like crashing and burning and like he gets into Coke and then has to like fund that habit. And then it just goes into a very dark place. Yeah, I'm very curious. And then spends the rest of his life trying to, like, get back to that moment where he was, like, a nice porn star. Right. It it, it made me think a lot about all the people we know. Ooh. <laughs> like, <dark>. uh, <laughs> like, everybody we know who's, who's making internet content for a living and, like, mm-hmm. how much I wonder, like how precarious is that lifestyle insanely it's when when does the rug get pulled out the bow will break before you know it like how how long can people make a living doing this stuff when there's so many people making a living doing this stuff it kind of makes me wonder like i mean some of some uh, some seem too big to fail you know like some are like so high in the stratosphere that you're like there's always going to be enough people I mean, the thing about it is, like, regular celebrities who are huge, like, go away. Or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, something happens in their career where just, like, nobody cares. Because life lasts a really long time. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Like, there's people who were stars and then just, like, fucked someone over. Mm. And then just you never heard from them again. What is Julia Stiles doing now? You know what I mean? Like, she's just the first one that pops into my head because she hasn't been in anything in, like... A decade right um like she was in huge movies in the 90s and early 2000s and then it's just like well she probably still has a decent amount of money maybe but like but then there's, there's also there's, there's, there's stories like Nicolas cage where like Nicolas cage was just like in crazy debt and like needed yeah. to like work his way out of it and you're like but you're like a big star how could that be <laughs> yeah he was in, i mean he made bad financial decisions because Actors aren't businesses. Yeah. Like they can be dumb to do too many drugs or buy too many things because they basically win the lottery (coughs) for like five years. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, I have a hundred million dollars. But if you've ever seen any documentaries about people who won the lottery, that goes a lot faster than you think if you're like doing stupid shit like buying yachts. Right. It's just like, well, that's not an asset. (laughs) That's barely liquid. Right. Uh, Or uh, (laughs) that's barely equity. Like it's just going to sink. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't imagine anybody who's, who who's making a living off of podcasts or YouTube. It only takes probably two years. I would guess before they aren't doing that and they have no money. Two years from now, from the, when it stops, you know what oh, I mean? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. so whenever that crash happens or whatever, like whenever, cause that's the thing is like, I always assume that like you kind of see it in, in, in boogie nights where like there's a point at which it's like, you know, like if somebody's making money off of this, then that means that somebody else isn't making money off of this. And, and if you're the person who has the control, then you're like, I'm going to be the one who's making the money and you're going to be the one who's not. Yeah. And so like, when you think about the people who make shit for YouTube, it's like, you know, YouTube is only going to be trying to take more and more of that from you. Oh yeah. (laughs) Until eventually you don't make money anymore. (laughs) There's people like Jake and Lucas. Was there a last name? Luke and Jake blonde haired guys oh paul paul yeah i almost said pope um or logan logan paul logan and jake so i'm i'm a very i'm an expert on these guys uh i'm but a frail old woman they're like, <laughs> i'm ancient <laughs> uh they're like making money hand over fist they're millionaires yeah right but it's like 
What's that? What's that young boy's name? Lucas J. Lucas Pope. <laughs> I think that guy made. Uh, I think Lucas Pope made Fez. <laughs> it's a video game. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they. Um, you know, you can easily imagine them being washed up in five years. Yeah, like with this kind of movie, you just a trajectory of like thinking they're too good for YouTube, stopping making the thing that makes them the most money, just be like, I'll get a book deal. I'll get a real acting contract. Right. Or they do get an act, you know, they do get money to make a movie or something and then it flops and then that's it. Yeah. I wonder sometimes about the kid who was Fred. Do you remember that? <laughs> oh yeah. Like that an guy. early, early YouTube thing. Uh, I always wonder like, uh, what's his financial situation like now? Probably not good. I wonder. I mean, unless you're... But he made movies. He made a couple of movies. Unless you're really smart about, like, investing in functionally real estate. Like, you basically have to just buy property. Yeah. And then just, like, diversify shit and then hope that the economy doesn't fall through. Yeah. Um, To have any sort of stability in this stupid fucking country. Um, which is generally something i consider not very moral but it's like (laughs) (laughs) i consider that to be a bad thing (laughs) but you know i mean it's hard not to if if your only chance at not being impoverished is like taking a big lump sum you're making on your stupid podcast and putting it into a couple houses like i don't know how to even say like don't do that yeah for moral reasons right it's like nobody else is making the fucking moral choice (laughs) (laughs) yeah um so I don't know. It's I don't know what else you could do. Yeah. Stocks. Buy the dip. Buy the dip, folks. By don't, the way, don't lose your apes. You're you're gonna want to know this right now. It's the dip. Yes, that's true. You should but be buying the dip. Don't be buying the dip yet. Wait mm. a month. One month. It's gonna dip even further. You think so? Absolutely. All right. Yes. I'm gonna get Jeremy's stock tips off mic so that. Uh, I can make money and you won't. Yes. Um, but Boogie Nights is a really good sort of like spiral into desperation type of movie. Uh, and it's it's a shame because that's what's going to happen. Dirk, what we're saying is D- Dirk Diggler should have brought property. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Dirk Diggler should have brought property and everybody we know who makes a living off of YouTube or or uh, podcasting is also Dirk Diggler. Oof, my God. <laughs> uh yeah which is unfortunate but it's also a good um it's a really interesting like stake in the ground for pta Mm -hmm. like he really basically just keeps making the same movie yeah i mean i love it and was he 27 when he made this it's so crazy are you serious yeah really i'm pretty sure he was 27 when he made boogie nights fucking wild the amount of perspective he has as a 27 year old yeah I mean, geez, I don't even know that. Yeah. Because um, what did he make right after this? I don't know. Uh, Magnolia, mm. which I think we should maybe revisit. Have you ever seen that movie? No. I think he really bit off more than he could chew with that one. Um, I used to love that movie when I was a teenager. But looking back on it and thinking back on it, it's pretty stupid. Mm. It has some good stuff in it. But I think he was trying to go a little more artsy than even he could really handle. Um, and then, I, I, it's funny because everybody—that's the one he got a lot of praise for. I think he won a bunch of Oscars for it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think later on he was sort of like unhappy with it. He's like, it's a little too sentimental. Mm. It's a lot sentimental. Because that's one of the first, like, everyone is connected. Like, all their stories oh, are yeah, connected. Yeah, yeah, of course. And, like, the way they're all connected is real tenuous. Mm. And, like, it it looks and feels very early 2000s in retrospect. Um, I'd love to revisit that movie. Um, but, I mean, then he just went on a tear with Punch Rock Love and There We Blood and The Master and Inner yeah. Vice just making incredible movies about like big time bangers the dom you know the dominating force of greed and capitalism in this culture it's just amazing stuff i hope he makes more movies hope he makes more movies i have i still haven't seen licorice pizza have you no i keep meaning to i really like it keeps popping up on my 
on my thing and um we're good keep going oh yeah so it keeps popping up on my uh feed or whatever uh and and, and i keep meaning to rent it and uh i i i don't <laughs> <laughs> i i i have it downloaded and i still haven't watched it i know i it, i don't know it it seems like i'm going to probably love it but for whatever reason i keep like being like but maybe i won't honestly that's the same reason i don't watch it. what if i don't love it it feels like it's gonna be a lesser pta yeah because i because i didn't hear anybody rave about it no one raved about it people were defending it from the from the discourse the problematic age gap discourse but like nobody was like this is his best movie from the discourse discourse. Uh, yeah, but so that's kind of why I haven't watched it too. Because yeah. Because I just like, I don't know. I don't want to watch a bland, mediocre PTA that's sort of just about his vibes that he yeah. watched, which is he grew up in the 70s more or something. I don't know. Well, speaking of watching things, Bryn, what did you watch this week? I watched the hit 2021 or 2022 film, uh, Everything everywhere all at once fantastic how was it uh great yeah um so i don't need to tell you did you go see it or no no i saw it in i saw i watched it at home mm. i downloaded it can you uh put it on the old absolutely <laughs> <laughs> um it's a it's a movie that has been wildly in the discourse but i have somehow completely avoided it yeah i don't i didn't know anything about it yeah i don't i don't know much about it but i knew that i want to see it 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 looked cool and i was like there here's the big things i know about the discourse which are k kwee kwan k kwan the guy who played short round and data this is like his first movie returning you know that story yeah like that's sweet little thing about it that he's like returning and he's really good in it so i was like that's cute i'll watch it for just for that reason um and then it's also like a bunch of a24 nerds being like this is great of course that's literally all i knew about the movie um and i almost want to say anyone listening to this don't listen to rest like skip ahead 20 15 minutes uh don't just watch it it's good um but i'll tell you about it you have to know of course Uh, (laughs) this is your punishment um I was a little bit worried about it watching it because it starts a little too goofy. Mm-hmm. The movie is about Michelle Yao. Uh, you know Michelle Yao? Yeah. Um, she is a woman who owns a laundry coin laundry business and her family. And she is married to Kehe Kwan and her daughter is a new actress who looks and sounds like Aquafina, but isn't. Mm. And Aquafina was casted in this role and then left. And <laughs> then they, I mean, she was canceled. Similar right? type of person. I don't know why. She, I don't know. I think she got canceled for talking like she talks, <laughs> <laughs> but this girl is really good. Um, I'll, I'll find her name out in one second. Um, but she's being audited. Mm. Michelle. Yeah. was being audited. Her daughter's gay. And her father is like 90 years old and staying with them. She's trying to make everybody happy, but like doesn't want to tell her father that her daughter's gay. She's like, I'm fine with it. But she's like a very sort of stereotypical like Chinese American mother. She like is very cold, distant and busy and stressed. Mm. And she's like, you are getting fat. Like, (laughs) you know, like very... Uh, the, one of the directors is named Daniel Kwan. And he's a Chinese American guy. So it feels very like this is my family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the directors are called the Daniels. They're both named Daniel. I don't know the name of the other one. Daniel something. Um, and this is their second film, by the way. Um, so they're being audited. Um, she's having trouble with her daughter. Um, her husband is secretly wanting a divorce. He's like got divorce papers. Um, he's really sweet and timid, um, but feels very like left out and like never has, gets any attention from her. Mm -hmm. Um, and so she goes to the IRS, they all go to the IRS except for the daughter to like give all their receipts. 
the evil uh, claims adjuster who's played by Jamie Lee Curtis um, is like this old mad woman who's just like trying to, you know, make them have a bad time. Mm-hmm. Um, during this trip to the IRS, her husband um, zips, like basically becomes possessed and is like, you're in danger. Something is happening. It's basically the premise of the matrix. Okay. Um, but he's like possessed by this other version of himself from a different universe and telling her like, you're in danger. We have to save the world. And she's like, what are you talking about? And so her consciousness is being like swapped to a different body in a different like bubble universe. So he can explain this like matrix shit to her Mm -hmm. where there's this alpha universe where like it was the first one that made contact with other, the multiverse. Um, And they're in danger because the woman who is her daughter is trying to, or they don't know why, but like she's trying to like create a singularity that's going to destroy the multiverse. Okay. And so to, to get into other multiverses, you have to do things that are like improbable, like eat a frog or something, or like just like do something random and strange. Mm. Um, and then like they have like an algorithmic code. There's like a Nebuchadnezzar type setup in an RV in the alpha universe where they're like, shooting their consciousness to other bodies. They can only connect to bodies that are them in other universes. Okay. Um, so it's Rick and Morty. It's yeah. It's like the matrix Rick and Morty. Um, exactly. Um, the thing about Rick and Morty is that you forget while there's so much discourse about Rick and Morty is that it's one of the best sci-fi shows that there's ever been. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sorry. It's cringe sometimes, but like it's a really good sci-fi show. And so this premise, they I read about it later. They had invented this premise in like 2010 and could never get money. Mm. So they were just like watching all this stuff come oh, out like that sucks so much. They were yeah. like they were like watching Rick season 2 of Rick and Morty was so painful. I had to like stop because I was like people are going to think we ripped this off and Yeah. Uh they mentioned a couple other things uh that that they thought people were going to think they ripped off. Um they like had this idea when they heard about multiverses and then made mm. it all up. Um, so they had to cut a lot of stuff because Rick and Morty stole a lot of their ideas. Right. But it's, it has a very similar uh, sense of humor where it's just like XD random stuff. Like there's a universe where she like accidentally creates a universe where like everyone has hot dogs for fingers or whatever. Nice. Um, the thing that this movie has, and I'm going to stop explaining it at this point because you're getting the basic gist. What a, well, two things I want to say. This movie then becomes a metaphor for her depression and existential crisis of like, what does my life even matter? Mm-hmm. Um, and her relationship to her family and her relationship to, to her daughter and husband specifically. Um, that is so insanely touching and heartbreaking. I don't want to try and explain it because it's, it's it's so good yeah <laughs> um there's like one universe that is like basically directed by wong kar wai and it feels like in the mood for love and mm-hmm. they just like switch to another universe to have like a really serious discussion and then they switch back to like do comedy you know what i mean like do weird stuff it's just so it feels like the first time you watch rick and morty where you're like oh wow they're doing something with this mm. Um, it, it starts to remind me a lot of like, well, the first time I saw, um, eternal sunshine of the spotless mind where it's like, oh, they're doing all these, like going back through your old memories and like, it's all fun and games. And then it starts to get really emotional. And that's the problem I think a lot of people have with Rick and Morty is that the emotional stuff kind of went away and became this sort of like, I'm too smart for everybody. And like this sort of dark, yeah, like nihilistic perspective and this movie has the opposite perspective which that there is this dark thing of like once you realize how the world works nothing does matter and how do you deal with the fact that nothing in the world matters um your life or anything else yeah um and how if you have depression or anxiety or you know mental illness how do you live um and it answers that question with like something really nice. Um, and it's, it's emotionally probably the most 
the best of this type of thing I've seen in a long time, like since Eternal Sunshine. Mm. Um, it's about parenthood. It's about living with your partner and your family uh, in such a, a meaty way. Um, I was really surprised by it because no one really talked about why it was good. Yeah, I I'd, wasn't really sure what to expect even the type of movie to be. <laughs> I I was almost a little disappointed that it was so Rick and Morty mm. at first. Like for the first half of the movie, I was like, I had heard, I had read certain tweets of being like, they did too many bits and it just goes on too long. Yeah. And that is wrong because it stops being just like XD random and then starts being this very, very delicate balance of every version of her life and her all of her regrets. How long is it? It's like two hours. All right. It's not that long. <laughs> um, hang on. Let me look. It's uh, it's one forty. So nice. It's, it's two twenty. Right. Oh yeah, I thought it meant an hour and forty. Oh no no, <laughs> it's two hours and twenty minutes. Um, but to me, it didn't feel very yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. It 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 moves really fast and it packs a lot of ideas into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked that it kind of brings it all back and grounds it in what is quote unquote really happening. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. you can kind of look at this movie and for all the dumb, not dumb, it's funny. I think it's funny, but for all the very wacky stuff of like, you got to put your shoes on the wrong feet or you got to like draw a donut or whatever. Yeah. You got to, we got to save the world from the everything bagel. Uh, like for all the wacky stuff, you can kind of imagine that the movie is all in her head. I don't think that's the intention, mm-hmm. but like you can kind of imagine like this is all, a metaphor for a specific experience in this person's life and her dealing with these very big problems and emotionally within her family, uh, and in her own interior life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's visually stunning. Like it's, it's beautiful looking. It's so crazy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, but you've seen that from the trailers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's crazy. It, it made me cry, which a movie hasn't, I feel like a movie hasn't done in a while. Like I've, I've watched a lot of movies I don't know, I'm pretty easy, I think, to cry, but I've just been jaded, I think, in the pandemic. Yeah. And this one is really touching. Um, so I really liked it. Nice. I highly recommend it. I'm definitely looking forward to watching I'll it. I'll put it on the Plex. Please do. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go to our main movie. You know, I don't know why we never do this, <laughs> but we should probably start calling it our feature presentation. Oh, my God. Oof, we never called it our feature presentation? How have we never done that before? What's wrong with us? <laughs> well, now it's time for our feature presentation. <laughs> feature presentation this month week uh, is Mr. Lonely, directed by Harmony Kareen. Yes. Uh, it is the first time we've done a Harmony Kareen movie. I do. Let me ask you: Have you seen any Harmony Kareen movies? Oh, I sure have. Okay, yeah. tell me about uh-huh. it. Yeah, I love Harmony Kareen. Really? Um, yeah, I'd never seen this. That is so surprising to me. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, uh, write in. Do you think Jeremy seems like a Harmony Kareen guy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I did not. I would have not guessed that at I, all. I watch Spring Breakers once a year. Dude, um, that movie rocks. That movie rocks big time. Yeah, <laughs> I love that movie a lot. That was actually my first. Okay. <laughs> that was my first Harmony Kareen. I knew of him already uh, from Kids, uh, but I oh, never, yeah. I'd never seen Kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I saw Spring Breakers in the theaters, uh, and I l- fucking loved it. And I also I, saw it in I the literally theater. watch it once a year uh, <laughs> for Spring Break season. <laughs> <laughs> spring Break. Um uh it, it's it, great james it's, franco's great Sleep. it almost feels like it's not spring without it at this point did you watch it this year yes of course oh man um and uh i i liked uh the beach bum i've never seen trash humpers i'd never seen mr lonely i have seen kids i have seen gummo uh, okay so you've seen pretty much everything except for this and donkey boy yeah uh ken park i don't know that one above the below i don't think he directed that in any event, uh, my man makes a good flick, and uh, I like his I like his cultural position. You know, I like him as a guy. Um, he's a weird guy. He's a weird guy, but he's like he's the type of filmmaker that it's like really cool 
that he can exist. Uh, he doesn't get money ever he, for being such a big name. Like, yeah. Even if you've never seen these movies, I feel like Harmony Korine is like a name that you know. Well, for sure. Spring Breakers was his big... I think the reason he still even exists is because of Spring Breakers. Because mm-hmm. that movie made a shitload of money for him. It cost $5 million and made 31 Oh, beautiful. So I think that's why he got to make The Beach Bum, even though that movie didn't make its money back. Um, but like all of these movies... I mean, Gummo was his big break, but it was like a weird indie break, yeah. you know? Julian Donkey Boy didn't make any money. Uh, Mr. Lonely was a huge failure. Uh, Trash Humpers he made like on a VHS tape, like just for himself. Right. Um, I don't think it wasn't even like released in the theaters. Uh, and then Spring Breakers, he convinced someone to give him five million dollars to make this insane movie, and it just like I think it was an A twenty four actually. Really? There I'm pretty you go, sure, yeah. man. For for all the discourse about A twenty four. They make them fucking bangers. They make them bangers. And, I can't, uh, can't hate on them. And I gotta They're say, so they, good. it's also just cool to know that somebody like Harmony Korine can like keep existing because of somebody like A24. Yeah. I Shout out to them. Shouts out to them and their family. I- <laughs> 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 um, so, so, but this movie was 2007. Uh, according to Harmony Korine, uh, probably the darkest time in his life. He had mm. previously been straight edge and then got addicted to heroin. Wow. And uh, methadone. I think that's a drug, right? Yeah, methadone is what you get off of heroin with. Uh-huh. According to his girlfriend, it was really dark and led to him leaving or le- led to her leaving him. Mm. Um, so he got addicted to heroin and then made this movie, um, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, this was the first Harmony Cream movie I saw really um i had not seen gummo when i went to college mm-hmm. but i had heard of it and people are always telling me to watch it i didn't watch it just forgot this one came out and i loved the trailer so much i was like man and everyone told me harmony kareen was so good yeah so i watched it and i really loved this movie at the time mm-hmm. um and it's really weird uh, especially going back, he hasn't made another movie like this before or since. Like, Gummo and Julian Donkey Boy are real, like, handheld, like, fly on the wall, like, grime, gross, strange. Yeah. Um, You're not sure if he's making fun of these people. Like, and then later he makes these big bombastic, like, clearly not making fun of anybody, like, almost elevating it to some sort of god-like status like yeah. alien and the girls are like these like grecian heroes that you're supposed to like wish you but, were but with like a similar level of that like sort of grime and and fascination with like uh yeah like offbeat personality types and whatever <laughs> like he's very similar to the to the tangerine guy who unfortunately i've forgotten his name <laughs> yet again uh uh-huh but like it, it, it's it's very similar sort of a like cultural position, but then aesthetically couldn't be more different from one another. Yes. But in any event, Sean Baker, Sean Baker. Yes. Sean Baker. Uh, I think there's a skateboarder named that and it always feels wrong. Sh- uh, I don't know. Something like that. Um, anyway. Yeah. It's, it's a weird, it's a weird harmony Korean thing. He likes people who are, not just outcasts, not just underdogs, but mm-hmm. like in a lot of cultures would be considered insane. Yes. But like that just are existing. The key, the key thing that I flagged on this that made it feel weird to me is that Harmony Korean characters are weird and offbeat and ridiculous and, and all these things, but they really exist yes yeah and exactly. that's that's the thing that separates alien from from you know what we <laughs> see in this movie is like alien is is weird and larger than life and like impossible to believe but absolutely exists right and and everybody in this movie is like very very clearly fake and supposed to be fake like you're not supposed to be like i bet this really exists somewhere <laughs> right it feels more dreamlike than any mm-hmm. movie he's ever done before um uh by story and by 
structure and by visuals. Yeah. Um, it's okay. So, so let's very get into briefly, it. very briefly, the plot. There's not a lot. This, you we'll know, go through it pretty quick. It's uh, we we are uh, following a Michael Jackson impersonator who lives in Paris, and uh, he he dances on the street for money. He goes to senior citizen centers and dances for them for maybe money, maybe just <laughs> for whatever exposure. <laughs> he he meets a he woman. has an agent. He has an agent uh, who I don't know. Like he gives him like cash to like keep his life together and whatever. But mm-hmm. he meets a woman who impersonates Marilyn Monroe. They uh, hang out for a little bit. He's really captivated by her. He follows her to the Scottish Highlands where she lives in a castle with a bunch of people who are impersonators of other celebrities. They all live in this sort of communal living situation in a castle, building a stage where they're going to put on a show for everybody out there in the <laughs> world to, to to watch. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's their main thing uh and and we see a few different things happen on their commune but ultimately all it's leading they to deal is with like their there's sheep that they have for yeah for probably for food and for wool and whatever yeah like, and they all get some sort of disease and they have to murder them all yeah. the three stooges shoot them with the guns uh and that's most of what happens they just hang out and yeah. do some other stuff and then they have their big show as expected, almost nobody comes. Yeah. Well, and Marilyn Monroe is, uh, she's like married to Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And, uh, but like, they're like on the rocks. I don't really remember why or what happens necessarily, but he ends up like fucking somebody else. Yeah. And he's also like kind of like sexually assaulting her a lot. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, he like is really, really mean and like lets her, like lets her sunburn and then like starts like rubbing her sunburn just yeah. to, like cause her pain or whatever uh weird scenes that are sort of again very dreamlike um and then they have their show and like a couple people show up and they are all very sad about it uh even though they seem to give their all to the show you yeah know, they and then they eventually they do kind of like regain hope and they're all like, oh, actually, like, you know what? We can do this. We can do this. And this was fun. This was great. And we finally fucking did it. This is awesome. And then they find Marilyn Monroe has hung herself. And the commune just kind of like breaks up after that. Yeah, they all don't want to be there anymore. And Michael goes back to Paris where he decides to not be Michael anymore. Yeah, he cuts his hair. He um, he dresses in a red polo for some reason. <laughs> uh, just like a French guy now. Yeah. Uh he's Diego Luna who's in like Rogue One and stuff. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh and, and and then there's sort of like a B plot happening throughout this oh, yeah. of uh Werner Herzog is a is a priest and there's these nuns and uh they're flying like some sort of a food mission over some sort of a developing country. Yeah. And they're like dropping food out of the airplane and then one of the nuns falls out and she's falling to her death and she prays not to die and she doesn't. And then we check in on them a few more times and, and more and more nuns are jumping out <laughs> of the plane. Uh, one of them with a BMX bike in what is possibly <laughs> the greatest image, image of the film. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then at the very end of that, I guess they're just Oh, they're like, going to the Vatican because uh, the Vatican has legitimized them and said like, what you're experiencing is a true miracle. Come here and we'll, we'll you know, we'll announce it to the world. You've found God, whatever. And they're flying off to go to the Vatican and then their plane crashes and they all die. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's the end of the movie. That's, that's the last the shot. Of, that's the last shot of the movie. Yeah. Uh, there is a little thing before that where Michael looks at eggs he's painted. Yeah. And he of, talks to Marilyn Monroe's ghost. And she just is like, you know, hey, don't worry about it. Like you're on a different path than me. Yeah. You'll I had be to all go. Right. I had to go. You'll be all right. And then the last shot is all the nuns dead washed up on the shore. Um so yeah let me just say when i watched this movie the first time i think in retrospect i was willing to forgive a lot more about the pacing and the general content of the movie Mm -hmm. because of how much i was deeply in love with the visuals yes like the movie has some of the most original and creative and fascinating images i've seen in any movie yeah like to me 
Michael Jackson in slow motion riding a very tiny motorcycle to Mr. Lonely is like holy mountain level <laughs> images. Like I loved this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the way this movie looks. A lot of really, really nice imagery in it. Uh, one thing that always bugged me, and this is such a nitpick, but it's what we're here for, I guess. Uh, it's their job. As much as I like the visual of the nuns falling out of the sky, <laughs> uh, every single time we see them, the camera that's following them goes up too high and you can see their parachute. That really bugs me. Like it's, One time it's good. The first time it's you don't see it. You do see it. In the first Even one? Even in the first one you see oh, it. Yeah, no. you see a big lump under her under her her nun thing whatever you call those that is annoying. uh yeah because they just like i don't know he's like holding on these shots for too long like he's that's what's frustrating is he's got enough coverage that like if he just wouldn't be so indulgent with the long takes it would oh, be yeah. completely fine you could just cut it before you see that but you see it literally every time <laughs> apparently these were real skydiving nuns yeah hilarious um yeah uh so yes he is indulgent and and that shows through in basically every other aspect of the film yeah which is the movie is it's not that long right it's like two hours it's barely two hours um but it feels long Mm -hmm. um i remember them getting to the commune much faster um but it takes a while to be honest i was a little surprised how fast they got to the commune <laughs> oh really yeah i sim like i i definitely felt like oh wow we're like so we're just supposed to like accept that these two like each other or whatever like what <laughs> am i supposed to be feeling about these two yeah maybe that's what i'm like that's what i had remembered is that yeah. they just go are there uh but it feels like there's time it takes a long time yeah just for that to happen just because we've got long long shots of michael dancing and right and and they're great and they're beautiful yeah but they're too long it's too long it's all too long um you know when he's in the senior center like i only needed to hear him say let's never die die. (laughs) like i only need to hear that like once twice it's very funny it's very funny and and it adds a lot to the overall i'm not sure if i would say there's a theme to the movie or there's a message to the movie but it adds to the vibe of the movie for sure. Yeah. Um, my, my, my thought on this movie going into it was that it was his normal movie. Mm-hmm. Like it has a weird premise, but my memory of it is that it's a pretty simple story of somebody who's trying to be someone who they're not. Yeah. And, you know, having a sort of love triangle with Charlie Chaplin and Marilyn Monroe and then that ending tragically and sort of being like, I need to actually find out who I am. I don't know if that's exactly what the movie wants you to think about it. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a little more complicated than that, but I don't know what else it's getting at exactly. Yeah. I kind of was like thinking about it as sort of being about accepting death. Mm. Like, cause he's got this whole, you know, at the beginning when he's saying like, don't die. Like yeah, to yeah. all the old people, he's like telling them like, don't die. We'll never die. If you don't want to die, you don't have to, uh-huh. you can be whatever age you want to be like. And then the whole thing with like, they're all impersonators of, of, of famous people of the past. Yeah. Of like these like nostalgic images. And it's like, this is the thing is it's like it, because of how absurd everything is, it feels like it has to be metaphor. But right, then exactly. like, you know, Harmony Kareen and you're like, it's not metaphor. He's <laughs> like, really probably more interested in why they're trying to be impersonators. Exactly. In yeah. real life. Like, why would someone do that? I heard somebody once describe him as a documentary filmmaker who's not interested in real life. <laughs> like, he just is so obsessed with the little world he made. And, yeah. and he's making a documentary about the little world he made, basically. Exactly. Like, it's not really about like like i think that this movie is about death because i think he was thinking about death at the time and that's about as far as that goes yeah i mean and there definitely is something about like i i was struggling to make the nuns and the impersonators connect to this time Mm -hmm. in a way that i think i let just let wash over me that it's sort of like the vibes felt right uh when i was younger um 
but I don't know what the connection there is. Like sh- they are like have this faith that they won't die, mm-hmm. but they will anyway. Yeah. Um, and and I then I mean, maybe it's like the the idea of nostalgia and like steeping yourself in the past is kind of doing a similar thing on your own human personal level, where you're like, I'm having faith that if I like, I can cling to I life. can cling to life by clinging to the past. Yeah, and and kind of like creating like legacy for myself, and 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 you know, being immortal in that way. Yeah, becoming a part of this other person's legacy. Yeah, by like taking it on myself, or or even for the people themselves, like you know, for like Lincoln himself. You yeah, know? <laughs> it's like like that guy's not immortal. Lincoln is dead. He's dead big time. <laughs> and I think like Marilyn you see Monroe. like the image of Marilyn Monroe hanging. And then him going and being like, I'm not Michael. Michael's dead. He's not really at this time, but right. Right. Yeah. No, he was two years later, actually. But, but like him going and saying like, I'm not an immortal figure. I'm taking this off. I'm accepting that I will die one day. And, and, and the nuns are, you know, coming up against that realization essentially where they're like, Hey, the miracles have to stop somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it, it's definitely more of like a vibes movie. Yeah. Which is a pretty sad vibe about like accepting death mm-hmm. as an inevitability. But I think it has a kind of positive outlook at the end. Yeah. Of like you can't, like there's no use to clinging on to that. Um, and you kind of are ridiculous and in a cult if you're trying. Right. Um, I wonder if he's making that parallel. Like there's some sort of church uh, of like people who all believe in the same way of like expand, extending their life with the nuns and the impersonators. Yeah. It is like an old, what kind of building is it that they're all in? Oh, it's like a castle. Just like a castle? Yeah. And it has like a very old world, like church type feeling to mm-hmm. me a lot of the time. Um, but yeah, so I think the core of that is really still very good and very interesting. And yeah. Then, again, great images um, that really are very evocative of mm-hmm. a lot of different things, but especially I think what he's trying to get at. Yeah, like seeing Sammy Davis Jr. crying, watching, you know, the Three Stooges shoot the sheep <laughs> is like, it's a fucking, that's a crazy image and it's really cool. I It's going to surprise nobody to hear this, but you know, it would make this a great movie if it was 90 minutes <laughs> no but for the for maybe for the first time i completely agree with you without <laughs> reservation uh because there's some great moments peppered in here that don't need to be in here mm-hmm. that i wouldn't want to lose like buckwheat talking about naked chickens yeah uh very funny totally random Doesn't buckwheat is it. hilarious by the way because like <laughs> everybody else is like well it's so everybody is like, you know, Abraham Lincoln, the queen, the Pope, you know, like Marilyn Monroe, like big iconic things. And then it's the two outliers are Buckwheat and Little Red Riding Hood, who's yep. not even like, <laughs> at least Buckwheat is a character played by a human person. <laughs> <laughs> Little Red Riding Hood isn't even a person. It's, it's like she's like a Disney character. It's a story. I don't even think they did a Disney of no, it. Yeah. I think it's just a story. <laughs> Yeah, that one feels like he want he had one shot that he wanted of like a bright red coat mm-hmm. in like the storm or whatever, and then he was like, "Well, I got to put a little red riding." He couldn't think of anything else or something. Yeah. Um, but that stuff, there's stuff in this movie that really doesn't need to be there, and I think just kind of makes it longer. Yeah, like most of Abraham Lincoln's anytime anytime we spend with Abraham Lincoln, I'm just like, okay, okay, why is this here? get out of here I, why is he swearing so much that's not that funny or anything he's just saying f- fucking all the time and it's yeah. like i don't get it is that supposed to be funny that what do i look like a fucking veterinarian <laughs> yeah uh i don't know there's a lot of stuff in this movie that i think could have got trimmed down mm-hmm. that would have made it concise which i think would have elevated it to me when I was younger, this was my favorite Harmony Korine movie. Yeah. More than Spring Breakers. That's not the case, I don't think. I think it. I think he's able to get at stuff he's getting at in this movie with Spring Breakers. But it's much more fun to watch. 
Spring Breakers is for like the thing that's so fascinating about Spring Breakers is that it's a late career movie. I guess that's crazy to me. That really doesn't feel like like that. It feels so energetic. Yeah, it's so energetic. It's so in your face, and it's so much better than everything he'd made before. That like that in and of itself is like, hey, good on you, man. Like <laughs> it, it's it's always shocking when an artist is like that far into their career and they finally like hit one that far out of the park. Right. It's really strange. Yeah. And I feel, but I do feel like he's learning something very important in Mr. Lonely, which is how important an image is. Mm-hmm. Cause like his work before this had mostly simply been like situations yeah, and like stuff that would stick in your head because if it was gross or like or just like intense. weird and offbeat, like the thing of, like in uh, in Gummo, the piece of bacon taped to the wall and whatever, like yeah. little little things like that where you're like, well, that's a choice. Yeah, the kid has big rabbit ears on. Yeah, like you remember stuff, but it's like the images aren't beautiful. It's more of a texture and tone thing. And this movie, he's like, I want to make something. I want to make film that will stick with people yeah and i think he very much succeeds in that um the skydiving nuns the motorcycle michael jackson the eggs the marilyn monroe hanging from a barn um for better for worse like there's a lot of beautiful stuff in this movie um and i still really like it um i was i think i was more surprised how much less i liked it because i remember loving this movie yeah and i feel a little more that i like it that i think it's a a good movie with a lot of interesting ideas that doesn't stick a landing Mm -hmm. that gets a lot of points from me for being so original for being so vibrant looking um but i don't it doesn't quite make a whole meal out of it yeah i kind of feel like it would benefit from not taking itself too seriously. <laughs> I agree. It like, shouldn't take it itself so seriously. It kind of feels so like it takes itself very seriously. And well, but like the the Vern Herzog stuff feels a little goofy. Definitely. And, and that definitely, feels, definitely. That feels like his real personality shining through mm-hmm. when like Vern Herzog is telling that guy to like go confess his sins because he cheated on his wife. And you're like, that guy probably isn't an actor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's just like, a dim-witted person who's talking to Werner Herzog and trying to sell him flowers or something. And Herzog just stayed in character. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's ridiculous and strange. That shit rules. Yeah, and, and the nun, like, the nun on the fucking BMX bike is definitely... That's the real shit. Yeah. It's crazy. I know someone with a tattoo of that. <laughs> <laughs> a f- skydiving nun with a BMX bike. Like, there's stuff like that in it. And I have to recommend the movie for that reason. For sure. I would definitely recommend this with the caveat that... I wanted to say, before whatever caveat you say, I am floored that you're recommending this movie. Like, I was watching this movie. I'm like, oh, Jeremy's going to be mad at me. <laughs> I mean, listen, I definitely <laughs> didn't. I didn't have the best time in the world watching this movie. I know, but it's. I feel like this is the kind where, like... It, even as an artsy movie, I don't think it hits the high water marks no, of stuff that I like. No, definitely not. Uh, and, and, that you have been like more negative on. Yeah, no. I mean, listen. Again, I'm I'm fairly <laughs> negative on this. The the caveat that I was going to give to this was: watch this after you've watched literally every other Harmony Korean movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's beach bum good beach bum is pretty good yeah i like is it. that but it's not as good as spring breakers no no no, no of course not what is, what is the what tra- could be <laughs> well when i saw the trailer for that one it felt like he was just doing that tone again definitely it's it's definitely in the same spirit of it i haven't watched it since it, it came, came out. out but um i remember quite liking it yeah i had the weirdest experience with spring breakers where i watched it and i like kind of rev- rev- like it it revolted me mm-hmm. at first. Like it re- I was really repulsed by it. Uh, not like I was going to vomit, but like I had a negative reaction to it. I saw it in the theater cause I was mm-hmm. excited. I love Carmen Korean. I'd love Mr. Lonely. Um, and I saw it and I was like, it felt like I, my thing, what I took away from it when I first saw it was like, is he dumber than I thought he was? Uh-huh. <laughs> 
like what is he getting at exactly uh and now i feel like i was very wrong and like it, but also very right yes because i do kind of think that part of the beauty of harmony korean is that he's dumber than you think he is <laughs> and and yeah. isn't getting at anything <laughs> that's really what it is is like this is a perfect example of it where it's like the harmony korean vibe is empty head nothing but vibes <laughs> you know like all this is is just like i'm sad about death i'm gonna make a movie and and i don't think that but he has some sort of like superpower which is like what that means to me is these insane images yeah same ideas mm-hmm. that like no one else would come up with but he's not talking about anything that profound right He's just like showing you the inside of his mind, and it's exactly, and that's what Spring Breakers is like too. Yeah, it's the same sort of thing. It's like this is just nothing but this is it's it's much more accessible and much more like followable and and a, <laughs> and a much better watch overall. Yeah, I think the thing that I really disliked about Spring Breakers is I couldn't make it mean anything mm-hmm. because it's a story about three girls who are just like sort of head empty like you say yeah who just want money to have a good time and then do it and it like leads them to like something kind of hedonistic and insane and violent Mm -hmm. but they succeed anyway they succeed and at the other end of it they just move on and they're like all right cool cool it's about spring break it's like sort of about youthful like debauchery just like being a blip in your life but Mm -hmm. like heightened yeah which is awesome it rules <laughs> great I, movie but i couldn't like way better it, than this one <laughs> because i couldn't make it mean anything else yeah i was like what is this movie getting at and then like as i got older i was like oh this movie is sick yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter it doesn't mean anything good ass flick good movie and i think this movie's also good not as good but worth watching especially if you like any of his other movies Mm -hmm. especially if you've seen his other movies and not this one which a lot of harmony korean fans haven't seen this one which is why i wanted to do it to sort of do a sort of holistic harmony korean episode because i figured we'd talk about all of the other ones um i don't think this is worst movie i think it's better than gummo um i haven't seen the beach bum but i'm pretty sure i'd like it maybe a little better um, because I do think this one's trying to get at something more raw, more intense, yeah, like of an emotion, and it succeeds in a couple cases, uh, and I and I like it a lot for that reason. So yeah, I recommend it. I sort of recommend. Yeah, <laughs> I recommend it. Uh, it's a good movie. Um, it's very weird. I would say don't make this your first Harmony Korean movie. Don't definitely don't make Spring never, Breakers your first absolutely. Harmony Korean movie. <laughs> and keep in mind what we said. It doesn't mean anything more than what it is. Yeah, what's on the paper is what's on the paper. <laughs> it's a sheet of acid, and you should put it in your mouth. <laughs> All of it at once. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be one of those freaks. <laughs> People do that, right? Dude, yeah, I like festival dudes, like those guys who are just like. You meet them and they have just like festival armbands all up their arms. <laughs> Those guys, like I met one once who told me that like in order to trip regular, he needs to eat a 10 strip. Is that 10 tabs? Yeah. That's ridiculous. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you shouldn't build up a tolerance to acid. No, you buy it a 10 strip to take to a bachelor party. That's why you buy them. <laughs> They're cheap though. Acid is really cheap. Acid yeah? is pretty cheap, but not as cheap as it was in the sixties. Mm, CIA stopped funding it. There was a, the one guy. You ever heard about this? There was like the one guy who was making all of the world's acid, basically. Oh, I don't know if I knew that. It was like the guy who I think he like invented acid or whatever. I don't know. The bicycle day guy. He had like a he had a a, a secret lab inside of a missile silo. It was yeah. like an abandoned like nuclear missile silo where him and like a couple people made all of the acid in the world (laughs) and then he got busted and so that's why acid is more expensive now (laughs) that's insane i did not know about that it used to be like basically free like that's why you hear all those stories about like summer of love hippies like just spraying acid in each other's faces because like (laughs) it was like that cheap to get (laughs) (laughs) wow well do that with spring breakers and then go back and revisit this yeah and expect a very cool looking pretty good movie sick movie all right that's been generation loss thanks for listening to the episode 
It's over. That's the end. Um, please go to patreon.com slash generation loss to support our show. You know, one thing we never say, we should say more rate and review. Yeah. Go on it Apple podcast. It really helps people find the podcast. I think that I, from what I understand <laughs> from all the other podcasts I listen to, it really helps people find the yeah. show. So go on Spotify, go on Apple podcasts, wherever you listen. And you know what? If you're on like Reddit or Twitter or whatever, post about it. Post about it. Just like randomly seated into a conversation yeah. as if you expect the other person to know it already. <laughs> yeah, you know? do psyops for us. Yeah, like when you're on Reddit, like r slash movies, and you're talking about a movie with some fucking lunatic on the other side of the world, <laughs> what you're going to want to do is reference generation loss as if. It's like the biggest, like it's so ubiquitous that like the idea of even explaining what it is. Would yeah, be they silly. covered this on Generation Loss, as we all know. Yeah, <laughs> it's like Brin on Generation Loss always says. <laughs> <laughs> and then when they say, "What's Generation Loss and what is Brin?" Talk make to them, them like they're crazy. No, make them feel stupid. Exactly, you <laughs> idiot! You don't know the best movie show. You on. fucking idiot! Where have you been? <laughs> you fucking loser! Make them feel like this. So sad. I'm so <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> so do that. Go to patreon.com slash generation loss and give us a little five buckaroonies and you will get a bonus episode every week. We've been doing movie news. We've been getting great emails. Uh, oh, if you are the person who wrote us an email, uh, what's that? Callahan McCollum? Something like that. Uh, it was long. If was you wrote long. a long email to us, yeah. thanks. Thanks. And we read it on, we did it most of the episode about the email. Uh, good letter. Uh, if you're not a Patreon subscriber, I'm so sorry, but you're going to have to do that to listen to what we said. Yeah. Um, please do that because we have homework for you. I'm going to be very sad if you don't do the homework. Yeah, I'm going to want to see that homework. Um, but thank you for being a great subscriber and a great listener. Um, but we've been doing emails and movie news and lots of good stuff over there. And you will get to see the movie we're going to talk about on the Monday, the episode, the Sunday before the m- episode comes out. Other than that, follow us on Twitter at Gen Lost Pod, and you can follow us individually from there. And that's movies. That is movies.